This is Film Tank. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. We're going to make film history. Can you say that again? Just the way you say it. Baby, it's time to lose their head. They won't know what they're looking at, but why they like it, but they'll know they want it. Hey there, everyone, and welcome in to Film Tank. As per usual, Alex Diekman here with you, along with Nick Cheney. Hey! Okay. What was wrong with that? I was fine. Oh, you, was, that was, no, that was a pretty passive reaction. Okay. Oh, so was that. Now you're mocking me! This is the last time I do an episode on the devil all the time. Ah, so yes, uh, we will be doing... <laughs> uh, I spoiled it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, this episode, we will be talking about the new film from Antonio Campos, which is The Devil All the Time. Uh, that other voice you hear laughing in the background is none other than our good friend, Anna Bodizadu. Hello. Thank you so much for having me back. I know. You're pretty much just a complete regular. I was going to say, so. you don't need to thank us anymore. I love thanking you, though. Yeah. See, Nick says, yes, you do. I no, love I didn't. I, I will always thank you no matter what. So Aww. thanks again for welcoming me back. Yeah, I, I like that we're we're like slowly like maneuvering to like someone who's a regular and by regular I, I mean say, like on like fifty percent of the episodes. At this point, Anna feels like are now our third chair. Ooh, ouch! I don't mean that as like a pejorative. Mm. No, but no, no, that's okay. I'm saying schedule wise, like yeah, that's just a fact. So that's true. And it wouldn't be an unwelcome one either. So. Oh, that is so sweet to hear. Thanks, guys. Well, I love being here, and I love um, any opportunity to be on. So thank you for welcoming me. Welcoming me. You are welcomed. <laughs> so, The Devil All the Time, uh, as I mentioned, directed and uh, screenplay was written by Antonio Campos, uh, based on the novel by Donald Ray Pollock, who you might have never heard of. But you did hear his voice as he randomly was the narrator of this film. It's a very interesting choice. And I actually kind of think not a terrible one. Yeah. We'll talk about that more. Uh, so the film uh, has an ensemble cast and stars Bill Skarsgård, Tom Holland, Haley Bennett, Sebastian Stand, Riley Keough, Jason Clark, Harry Melling, uh, who most people would know as Dudley Dursley from the Harry Potter films. Also in this film, Robert Pattinson, Mia Wazakowska, Douglas Hodge, and I don't know if I'm missing anybody else of note. I don't think so. So, there it is. So the devil all the time um, surrounds sinister characters as they converge around oh, a young man. Devilish. <laughs> 
<laughs> devoted to protecting those he loves in a post-war backwoods town meeting with corruption and brutality. Okay. Another interesting plot line. That but reeks of someone who only watched the trailer. <laughs> Not because it's like wrong, but like they couldn't that was all they could grasp at. Yeah, they're 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 missing some of the some of the meat there. Like but that's all and right. And also it's like if you've seen the movie like just to really quickly put my own spin, like there's so many tropes to like highlight in a synopsis. Like generational trauma is passed down through a religious, you know, what, like just that off Man, the top of like my head. It sounds like you should write plot lines. No, but I'm just saying, like it's not like it's a hard synopsis to write. See, yeah. any synopsis that I did see, I didn't like. Like even even before I watched this film, I was like, that doesn't sound right. And then of course I still wanted to see it. And even after I watched it, I was like, that's definitely to not be correct. Fair on the other to play the devil's advocate. <laughs> it could be indicative of the film's uh, structure and whether it's wholly successful or not. Mm. I don't mm. know. Well, do you want to expand on that and go oh. first? <laughs> okay. I mean, I wasn't prepared, but sure. Uh, yeah, we watched this. <laughs> On Netflix. Uh, first of all, I want to... <laughs> that's all I got. Those are my <laughs> opening thoughts. Now, first of all, I do want to preface this by saying I, I thought Christine was fantastic. His previous... Well, second to previous film he did one... No, it was his previous film. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of uh, the other guy who did Kate Plays Christine. Oh, okay. He did another one. Evan, he just did another one. But okay. anyway. Uh, no, but I, I, I like Christine, so I was at least somewhat excited to see what this would be, especially because I didn't think the trailer was all that bad or whatever. Um, however, I didn't really care for the final product. I There were there were times during this that I... Th- it, it was so clear that it was based... <laughs> on a novel mm. to the point where I felt like someone was reading the novel to me, which was a literal <laughs> because <laughs> the author's narration is clearly passages from the book yeah. because they are so out of step with the way the actual dialogue uh, is delivered that it comes out of left field. Even if it certainly has that Southern twang uh, biblical, you know, style to it, but it, it, it's just such a, and, it, and I don't blame the author for his performance. Actually, I thought that was one of the saving graces of those passages was that it was a nice touch, you know, whatnot. Um, but it, that didn't quite hit the mark. But like I was saying, it, it is so clear at times that what you're watching is based on a novel. And sometimes because of the topics and the themes that it touches on. I mean, this is a movie that crams in uh, Vietnam... Uh, religion, <laughs> generational parental abuse. Like, this is, quote-unquote, the great American novel. Like, these are all themes that have been done before in a million other books. And that doesn't mean that they can't be done again, because obviously that's pretty much what art is. It's variations on a theme. However, um, if it worked as a book, I could see that maybe. But as a film, it did not quite stick the landing. Um, there were times in which I thought the filmmaker was, you know, aping other directors for no other sense that because it looked cool in their movie, therefore it might look cool in this one. For example, the scene in which uh, Tom Holland beats the shit out of the mechanic is straight out of Scorsese. I mean, it's 50s pop blaring over 
a hard, grisly violence in an unflinching yeah. camera. Like, it, that is it, Scorsese. In, in reality, <clears throat> it's almost blocked in the exact same way yeah. of the Ray Liotta beat-up scene from yes. Goodfellas. Yeah. So. And so <laughs> at a certain point, you can say it's an homage, but because this is technically adapted from a book, uh, here, here the text is consciously it has to it you know adhere to what is there on the page but yet you're going out of your way to tie it to something that i don't think the book has any real roots in as far as that kind of gangster feel whatever and i felt like that was all over the movie not the scorsese comparison but a lot of this so i feel like the idea to take this book and to turn it into a cohen's-esque uh tale was absolutely the wrong choice i feel like this is what the Coens would look like if they didn't have a sense of humor. And I don't mean if they didn't make dramas, because they do make dramas, but technically even their dramas have this exhaustive, almost comedic fatality to them where it's almost funny because it's too depressing, you know? And I feel like that was at play here, but it doesn't sit well for me as far as being very enjoyable to watch when it's side-by-side with... Other scenes in which, like, for example, the uh, the whole let's kill your dog to bring your mom back, boy, like, that is, is, is so out of place in a movie like this when we're also following bumbling serial killers who are just trying to, you know, get through their day, whatever. Like, there's so many <laughs> disparate plot threads here. And none of it really works as a mosaic. I think, in general, the, the performances are mostly okay throughout the board, so the movie gets by. Mm-hmm. Um, although there are a few bad performances, Robert Pattinson being the marquee one, I'm sorry, but that I love Robert Pattinson and what he's been doing lately, but that felt like he showed up day one and he did not rehearse whatsoever, and then all of a sudden... On his first take, that voice came out, and he was too embarrassed to say, can I do it again? I did not mean to do that. Like, he just fucking went with it. I I actually take somewhat of a different take on his performance. First of all, I actually liked his performance. Yeah. Uh, but oh, it's sec- a choice. So that's why it's not so much that it's like he's not acting or anything like that. But I will say, uh, at least from what I read about his voice on set and his performance... He took this job, and he is now, uh, at least in his mind, reached the point in his career where he has carte blanche to do whatever he, he wants. He can have fun with it, even if it doesn't call for fun. And also, too, uh, it I, it felt like he now is like in the cusp, in, in in the vein of, and I'm not saying he's doing this, but I got the I got the sense that. He has more power than the director in terms of, well, I'm going to do this. And the director is like, well, I don't really like that. And he's like, better get to liking it. Yeah. So he's Batman now. Exactly. So kind of, I think this kind of tops your point, like not tops it, but like really solidifies what you just said. When I was reading fun facts um, about this film after I watched it. All of the actors practiced their accents and like rehearsed them to Antonio Campos before filming started, except for Robert Pattinson. Yeah, that's... Like Robert Pattinson willingly would not show Antonio Campos how he was going to act until they started See, filming. I did the same thing when I was in high school and had a group project <laughs> where we all had to like give our own piece of the project. 
but like we could do it separately. We just had to go stand up there at the same time. And I would be like, I'm working on my own thing, guy. Like I don't really like to show it until the day of. That's because I was writing it the morning of, <laughs> and I just vomited it the moment it was my time to perform it. And I think Which that's, I think that Robert Pattinson would be awful in a group project. Let's be honest. That's probably true. But. I will say I think uh, I think this is. Uh, what people in the industry refer to as a money job for Robert Pattinson well, as well. well. Yeah. So he was in the movie, maybe total 30, 45 minutes. So for maybe sure. yeah. probably less. I would, if I had to, if I a had lot of characters were, if, if I had, yeah, to, but him, it's a pretty glaring, yeah. you know, if I had to guess, perhaps Tom Holland would be the only different one, but I would guess that he overwhelmingly was the highest paid cast member of this film. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'll wrap up my opening thoughts. But in general, I just thought this had too many important themes that were not expanded upon simply because there's no time to if you're going to have five or six of them in here. Yeah. And because of that, because I kind of mentioned earlier about that kind of lack of that sense of humor, and because so in general, because it took it so seriously to the point where a lot of this material is dire, uh, it just became a slog to watch. And while I was watching it, I was half convinced that maybe I was in the wrong mood, you know, when I, the day whatever. But I've literally liked it less the more time goes on. And not so much that I think it's like one of the worst movies ever or anything like that. But boy, have I not wanted to rewatch a movie in quite some time. Like, it's usually sometimes I watch something and it's so thoroughly mediocre that I still have that, like, okay, well, at least in a couple of years I'll rewatch it and I'll see if that actually was mm-hmm. mediocre or whatever. This is like, I really don't want that experience anytime <laughs> soon. Okay. Like, so, so anyway, that's those are my opening thoughts. Okay. Very good. Uh, I was very excited about this. I really like Antonio Campos's previous film, uh, Christine. In fact, it was my favorite film of 2016. If anyone hasn't seen it, you should, because it's good. Anyways, uh, this film I was very excited for, especially when I saw Antonio Campos directed this. Uh, I really liked the trailer, which I've noticed a theme with Netflix films. They seem to have the trailer part down. Now they just have to get the full film (laughs) figured out. So maybe in a few years... They'll, they'll start to, you know, get some momentum on that. Uh, anyways, I was very excited for this, and I do think that this was actually quite good. Um, I, I don't think that this is perfect or amazing or anything like that, but I thought this was a pretty good film, and I enjoyed the final product. Uh, ensemble films are a little challenging because there's in general like one main through line but it's really choppy to kind of jump on with characters um but i do appreciate with tom holland's character that we start with him as a young child and we see the progression into uh when he becomes uh an a well older teenager adult it's really not clear how old he is in this movie which well, is kind of bizarre they mention his stepsister mentions how her next academic year she won't have family anymore mm-hmm. in high school with him in, uh, in oh, high school so with he her must, must so be it, a senior right then or something? It's, okay. it's like implied that he's a senior oh, okay in high well, that, well then, then that makes more sense i just yeah. wasn't paying attention and then he has a birthday at one point in the film but i forget how old he turns i don't know if they say it i think anyway. they were leaving that slightly not ambiguous but unsaid because tom holland has a weird cherubic look to him that it's like he does have this 
I don't know. Like, right now he's technically Spider-Man, which means he will uh, forever be a teenager, not literally, but, uh, but like, that's the image they're going for, despite the fact that, you know, production-wise, it's been, like, six, seven years. He's 50 years. years old, and he's, he's on, like, sitcoms. Yeah. He's on Two and a Half Men, and he's the half. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Angus. <laughs> So yeah, I, I, ultimately, He's I not uh, dead. <laughs> I was just waiting if anyone was going to rebuke that. I just like made a toast to the heavens uh, in Angus T's. Wait, wait, what's his name? Angus. Is it Angus T. Jones? Yes, I was about to say Angus T. Scrim, but who is that? That's somebody. Or Angus Scrim. Hold on. I'm sorry. You can keep this going. Is, this is great podcasting. I think the My listeners goodness. are going to want to know who Angus Scrim is. Yeah. I... <laughs> Angus Burgers? What? <laughs> I don't know. Very interesting. Anyways, so I really enjoyed, though, the characters in this film. And the Okay. Angus Scrim is the old guy from the Phantasm movies. I forgot. Okay. That's who. So I didn't make up an Angus Scrim, but I, I couldn't. No. Anyway. Well, yeah, that Angus name isn't really, no. really a big one right now. So, anyway. maybe, maybe someday. Yeah. yeah. It'll come back around. I liked the way that the film did move from originally it started in the time period where he's in the war. Uh, we obviously see the atrocities that are happening in the war that he is participating in, in Vietnam. And then we see, no, so I think that's the war, goal. War. Was it Korea? The, hold on. Mm. Or is it, I, I said um, Vietnam earlier. Cause we ended Vietnam. That's right. Hold on. I got it. Is, um, it. is it world war two or is it? Yes, it's world war two. Okay. Yep. World okay. war two. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we see that, we see the progression through his small town life, and then we see, obviously, the continuation of it. And then the meat of the story picks up eventually, and we spend most of the film there. But at the same time, I enjoyed a lot of the acting in this film. I enjoyed a lot of the choices that were made by the actors. Um, I didn't enjoy all of them. Uh, I And I think that this is more of a, a writing issue, and it was more of a page to screen issue but i will go with nick on this i think um i thought jason clark's performance was awful and i thought his character was terrible and i usually like him in fact i'm usually charitable towards him where even when i think he's not great like i like watching him and whatever but this is the first time where i'm like not now not doing it buddy and here's the thing and i i feel like this, this is tough but if 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 we wanna if we really and i understand he's just a secondary character but if we really want to have somebody be a sadistic um crazy sexual predator slash serial killer uh we need to do a better job with that because i really felt and i i mean again i've i've it's only because I've seen this film, but I feel like we live in a world now where Matt Dillon's character in the house that Jack built exists. <laughs> and I feel like this was, I was just like, oh, he's cute. That's child's play. Come on, man. Like and, and, and the bigger issue, though, with that, in my opinion, at least, is that he's played up to be this very sinister, uh, terrible person. And yet 
like on the screen, he's just this guy who's going like there's nothing I there. I think they were going for this whole idea of like mysterious. You know, no, I was gonna say even the mundane can be you know like serial killer or whatever. But hiding like, in plain sight kind of thing, right? Yeah. But it's like, but technically speaking, when he goes to kill somebody, he's alone. I mean, besides his wife, but she's in on it. But like, so it's like. He doesn't have to hide, and so therefore, I just thought it fell flat. Like, yeah. it was so underplayed to the point where I'm just like, is he accidentally killing these guys? Like, is he just trying to give them a shave? And he's like, oh, shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> honey, honey, we gotta go. Like, put your shirt back on. Like, it's just, I don't know. It was just yeah. so tonally confusing. But I did enjoy uh, the finale of, of that story, um, especially with the blanks that he put in the gun because can't trust that woman uh and i thought that was good. the other performance that i thought was uh unfortunately shockingly bad was sebastian stan's performance um first of all he had this really bizarre like mouth addition that was made to his face the and whenever he tried to speak it was like i know that's what they were going for but like that's still a person, and his body is not made it's like still that. Still a person. Well, the fat suit didn't look good. I'm not even that worried about the fat suit. It's just, it's just that he clearly had so much shit in his mouth. Yeah, that didn't look good to either. try to make his face look different. I expected that, a lot more from the guy who brought us Jeff Gooley because technically Gooley. speaking, uh, Gooley, yeah. Gooley, Jeff Gooley, Jeff Gooley, whatever. <laughs> I don't is. remember his name, but um, <laughs> that's well, a person. Well. I got Tanya's name wrong, whatever. But uh, but Jeff Galuli, like his mustache in that movie, like he's working that thing, and that is like good. I think at least comedic uh, physical performance or whatever. Mm-hmm. So here it's like you would think he would have the chops, but uh, no, I think you're right in the sense that it somehow hinders him because he can't quite move with it. Yeah, and um, that was was not as great. But overall. I thought the performances were really solid here. I did like Robert Pattinson. I actually did think that... Um, why am I struggling here? Dudley main, main Dursley. Char- main, main character. Tom Holland. Tom Holland uh, was actually pretty good. Yeah, Dudley Dursley, that whole scene with the spiders was disgusting. And then we have, obviously, everything that goes down with, with the uh, the starting gun, pretty much, that sets off this whole path of killing so, yep. And I think the biggest thing about this film that kept my attention and that I, that I really enjoyed it so much is I'm always fascinated by any film or, or anything that has this domino happening throughout where this affects this and this affects this and this. And not that this is some great puzzle box, but at the same time, just watching it on screen happen and thinking about what happened in the previous scene or two scenes ago. um, I I just enjoy this kind of filmmaking. And I don't know why, but oddly I'm for some reason kind of drawn to this dour type of uh, storytelling. So that part of it, didn't really phase me as as Nick you were kind of alluding to earlier, and I'm not I'm not saying anything yeah. against what you were saying. I just I guess just I guess personally I normally go in for <laughs> I would say a darker tone or mm-hmm. whatever, but um, I also but anyway but yeah. yeah. So that's pretty much opening thoughts, and I have other things to to say, and I did quite like this, but I've obviously got some reservations. Anna, all right, so. We're not here to talk about the devil sometimes, 
We're not here to talk about the devil occasionally. Why are we here, Anna? We're here to talk about the devil all the time. Oh shit, I, I didn't know that's where you were going with that. That's <laughs> A film I really enjoyed. Thank you. Okay. That was wonderful. Can we get two sob back? That's the first person anyone's ever said that. First person, first time anyone's ever said that. <laughs> I'm joking. Okay. We miss Venom. Where is that? Uh, it's somewhere. Uh, Tucson Where? is a person. No, shut the poster I brought. <laughs> shut the poster I brought. <laughs> On that shelf, okay. Yeah. I was, okay, cool. Okay, I, I just never look there. So. I promise. Great, thank you. Okay. It's not in the trash. It was free. It's fine. It is. We should stop hoarding. <laughs> you just give us free things? <laughs> Don't even put any money or thought or money? <laughs> I did really like... This is This is probably going to end because movie theaters are going to all be out of business or claim that they have no money. Uh, but I did really appreciate and kind of cackle and laugh... When there was that weird time about two, three years ago when like every major release had some offshoot poster that was yeah, at movie theater. Was, I mean, particularly there was that. But then even to this day, well, not this year, but in, <laughs> to this era, um, it was still at least happening with IMAX engagements mm-hmm. where uh, if you went and saw an IMAX, they were handing out to those or whatever. I, I framed my uh, Logan one, you know, and whatnot. So, yeah, so did you. Framed mine as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... I know which one I didn't. <laughs> Independence Day Resurgence. Oh, God. Ooh, okay. I grabbed Why would that... they waste paper on that? <laughs> I grabbed it before the movie, uh, and I threw it <laughs> away on my way out the door. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> you were like, I'm pop committed. <laughs> yeah, well, now that I have this, I've got to frame it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Anna, please continue. No, that's okay. So, um, I, like Alex, was really looking forward to this film. It was one of the few films um, that I was looking forward to this year that didn't get delayed because this was a Netflix release and a theatrical release, but largely Netflix. Um, When I was reading about Antonio Campos, he made Christine, as mentioned. I know it's a film that you guys really liked. I have yet to watch it, but I trust that it's good. It's not really easy to find yeah. Never yeah. Got a wide, I really have to look for even it even disc release yeah. yeah. so um, that being said I just was still looking forward to this film and then when I finally sat down to watch it um, I think I started it at like I don't know midnight and then I like went all the way through uh, to 2.30am and I was committed and you know um, truly a better a, the best part of the day to watch it is really when yeah. you're on the verge of I not being able to it. fall asleep i'm sorry what i said i would never have been able to make it <laughs> nick didn't make it through the opening credits <laughs> <laughs> um luckily we started at 7 p.m right it's true um so a lot of the reservations that um Nick had were things that I really enjoyed about this film. So I actually really liked that uh, Donald Ray Pollock was the narrator, though I do agree with your point is that 
the excerpts were from the book. So when they, it came time to like really pay attention to what um, he was saying, it, it, it felt very clunky um, and it felt a little odd, but still I thought he has um, like a great voice for narration and he really can um, convey the tone for his own work. And I'm not completely against something like that. Cause I'll just really quickly say that Martin Scorsese did it in, uh, well, maybe there's another Martin Scorsese thing, but hmm. in the age of innocence, which okay. is based on a, uh, kind of Victorian rope, not Victorian, but a romance novel, whatever. And the narration is just, uh, somebody, I think it's Meryl Streep, uh, reading passages from the, and mm-hmm. it fits in elegantly. Whereas this is like the opposite where I feel like every time, it goes to say, and I like his performance, but it fits in like, oh, we have to get this passage in before the next scene starts, and yeah. so hurry up and say it and whatnot. But uh, yeah, um, so that was something I liked, and then um, I also agree with Alex in that I really like films that have the type of, like you said, domino structure, where when we get introduced to all these characters we're not quite sure how they come together until um, toward the end. Um, granted, it is a commitment to get there because the running time here is two hours, 20 minutes, something like that. Um, and there were lots of things I really liked. Um, I did like most of the performances here. For some reason, Riley Keough stuck out to me. I thought she was pretty good. I love her. Um, yeah, so she's... Even though she's a Scientologist. Even though she's a Scientologist. Um, uh, right? Um, but, I mean, truthfully, I did believe her as one of the most... Um, like I want to say skilled actors at conveying her character and especially her accent. Um, I, I would not have believed that this was the accent for the characters had I not met people from West Virginia before, because truly that's what the accent is. Um, so I thought she was very good. Um, and I, one of the things that sticks out to me and it, continues to stick out to me the more and more I think about this film is um, very specific. One of my favorite shots is when we get... Let me find her character's name. Uh, There we go. Lenora. Yes. um, Tom Holland's stepsister in the film. After she meets with uh, the The priest... The rope. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Before, I'm talking about before too that soon, scene. Man. This fictional film. That's too, too soon. Man. <laughs> I think Eliza Scanlon's fine. Um, like and alive and well. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that'd she's be, a great actress too. That, that, that'd be she something. Now, I heard you're a method actress, and I think we're gonna get a really good shot if you go all the way here. <laughs> okay. So soon. anyway, it was DDL would do it. I just always assumed that's how he would retire. Was like on screen. Like, okay, now we did take the uh, bullets out of the prop gun, right? Yep, we did. Okay, I mean, yeah, Daniel was uh, hanging by the uh, table. All right, let's roll. And then all of a sudden, like Birdman just 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 takes it to a whole other level. He's shot in like their. T- <laughs> He's, I just imagine he's in ambulance going to the hospital. They're trying to get like basic information. What's your name? And he's like, my character. Abraham he's, Lincoln. He's, 
He's saying his character. I don't know why Abraham talks like Nixon, but he's saying his character's name, yeah. and he's like totally committed to that. They're like, "Sir, this is my name is Reynolds Woodcock, and I cannot end the day in a confrontation." Anyway, so um, Lenora, after she has her first um, inappropriate encounter with um, the priest. And she gets in the car, and this is the day when, of course, Arvin isn't there at the cemetery with her, and he picks her up later, and we get the shot of her in the car, and it's just the back of her head, and then she tells him, I think I can come by myself from now on. And the shot is like that for a while, until she finally turns around and looks toward the church. I thought that was a really good um, like scene setup choice, because... It, we're focusing specifically on her and this uh, pattern that she's entered, um, and only we as an audience know that. Obviously, nobody else does, not even Arvin. So specifically, that was one of the choices I really liked. Um I'm trying to get my thoughts straight. I thought also the color grading was really cool here, too, because, I mean, it's Ohio and West Virginia, Personally, there's not really anything to write home about those places. Specifically, I don't like these towns that we've never heard of. Um, But I think it was really nice how there was an effort to make these uh, Midwestern shots look very vibrant, especially when they end up in nature and things like that. There's lots of shots of like um, the dead forest and whatnot. Um, And then I think one of the shots that really took me out of my seat is when... Dudley Dursley and Mia Wasikowska end up in the woods together. And I know the editing and the time jumps um, takes us a little bit between when she goes in the car with him and his brother between when we actually end up in the woods. But the first time we actually see her in the car, you get like even the audience gets a, gets a sense of dread. And then when we finally end up at the scene in the woods, you're like, this is the sense of dread that was set up for us earlier. Um, Even though the payoff of this film, it took a while for us to really get there. I think the climax was really worth it. Mm. And Mm -hmm. uh, Tom Holland really does go after all the evil forces um, that end up torturing his life. And then he... uh, we even see him like give his dog a proper burial, which was truly one of the most heartbreaking moments of this film. Um, but yeah, I, I that was rough. That was rough. Um, but yeah, I really like this film a lot. Those are my opening thoughts. Yeah, I uh, I really liked that scene as well. I thought the cathartic end of the film was was really nice and and a good send off. And I actually really did like, even though it was kind of been done many times before but the denouement of him uh hitching a ride and having the uh the information about um what's going on with vietnam on the radio uh was just a nice little send off into continuing on and i do like at the very end of that well all that's going on he's pretty much sound asleep and finally able to move on with his life and close that loop uh that had been created you know 15, 18, 20 years ago, whenever it was. Yeah, truly before he was born. even born. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and it's it's so nice because even though that loop is closed at the end, um, there's still that lingering dread because the narration goes, Arvin knew he shouldn't fall asleep in the car with 
when he's with a stranger, but he just couldn't help it. And then, of course, he just falls asleep. So Yeah. And, I mean, you can take that any way you want. Exactly. Uh, that, yeah. that it could mean that this is going to be the rest of his life, but I like to take it as it's a circle, not a mm-hmm. just continuous squiggly line. Right. Uh, with that being said, I really enjoyed a lot of the specific scenes with, with our characters that we have in this film where they are meeting and having conversations or, 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 you know, just, I'm, I'm, I'm describing what movies are here. I'm sorry. I should maybe try harder. <laughs> but, Hey, you are giving it exactly the same amount that this movie gave. <laughs> yeah. But a, a lot of the specific scenes that we have here with characters who are meeting up, and obviously a lot of characters interact with other people in the story, but they don't have a lot of time to interact. As, as a lot of them have one interaction, a lot of them have no interaction with certain characters. So it's it's really... It's really nothing that ever gets momentum in terms of establishing a rhythm between the actors uh, and the characters they're playing. But I really appreciated how this film allowed these characters to have their scenes together and develop a good rhythm, even in a really small window for almost every single character in the film. Um, We... I loved the Robert Pattinson and Tom Holland scene in the church. I thought that was pretty much exactly what I thought something like that would be. Um, but also everything that happens in that conversation is pretty fantastic. Uh, and it pretty much just shows that anyone, whether it be religious bullshit or political bullshit or any kind of bullshit um, in general, when they get backed in the corner and they get found out, it goes downhill pretty quickly, uh, which is exactly what happened uh, with Robert Pattinson's character. But just the way almost his voice changes and he actually kind of drops his accent a little bit. And I thought that was fabulous because it just completely solidifies him as a con artist and obviously a terrible, horrible person. Um, but just he actually utters the word "come on, bro" um, when when he said something, and he's just he's totally trying to change the narrative, and obviously it's unsuccessful, uh, at least for him. And I don't know, I just found that really awesome that a lot of the scenes I thought that involved characters interacting um, ended up being pretty solid, even though there was really no chemistry through those with those characters throughout the film. Um, I agree with you. And I like how the buildup that we get, um, before that scene is the shots of the priest praying on a different member of the Mm. church. And we find out when our, Arvin, I'm going to use his character's name, Tom Holland's character. I kept thinking his name was Marvin the whole time. And then I was like, Arvin? Yes. It's a silent M? (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) Hey, Arvin, it's your cousin. (laughs) Back to the Future? Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's good. White people have a hard time with that. Between between that and uh, everything in La La Land, they're like, no, no, we invented this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's take credit for that. Oh, John <laughs> Legend. Why did you allow this? You saying he's complicit? <laughs> But he was a good Jesus Christ. I'll give him that. 
Nothing but respect for my Jesus Christ superstar. Well, he's no, 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 no. Well, <laughs> hold on now. Uh, I wouldn't go that far, but he was a good one. Uh, I was going to say one pairing I did like in this movie was the Bill Skarsgård scenes with him and the young boy. Um, or I should say the young, you know, young Tom Holland who's not Tom Holland. But um, those scenes were probably my favorite passages in the movie. I thought the relationship between them was the most well-conceived and well-written uh, and defined relationship in the movie because I I felt like we got, A, enough of a background, even if it was more tableau than it was an actual, you know, drawn-out uh, presentation, but, you know, we, we know enough about who that character of the father is from the opening uh, introduction to what he witnesses and has to go through to then how he conducts himself as a father and whatnot. And I found that to be, at least on its own terms, fascinating. And I like the way Bill Skarsgård plays it because I think he's doing a good job for the most part. He needs a few more roles, but as to try to fight, you know, the typecasting of uh, Pennywise, because... We talked about this during the yeah. film, though. I feel like Bill Skarsgård is really fortunate. The fact that Pennywise has such a different voice and mm-hmm. also completely different appearance than what Bill Skarsgård usually looks like yes. when he's playing characters. So to almost anyone, they wouldn't be like... Pennywise! It's a very good, besides his performance in those movies, but yeah. also such a good makeup job that you don't really stare at it and go, Bill Skarsgård with makeup on. Like, you know, like... It, yeah, it, it's, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. and, and everything that they have with his head, obviously. So so it it's enough to, to have him right. be insulated from that, unlike someone like Daniel Radcliffe, who's going to have to put Harry Potter on his tombstone someday, so... <laughs> Um, so going back to the, the confrontational scene between Tom Holland and Robert Pattinson, up until that scene, we do get, um, the interactions between Robert Pattinson and then another member of the church after Lenora dies. And Mm -hmm. it's of course another young woman, probably the same age as Lenora. And the way the shots are set up are um very very specific especially the one with um the camera looking through the window and then we get to see robert pattinson's marvelous fat suit um we find robert pattinson's fat suit. yes he had the gut he didn't have anything else i don't think oh yeah. i thought you were talking about sebastian stan but okay they both wore fat suits but really? sebastian stan's was worse looking i don't remember robert pattinson having a fat suit look well that's in the suit when he's wearing clothes it doesn't look like he's wearing a fat suit but when he's like nude you see the gut that was a fat suit okay a lot of fat suits in the devil all the time i know <laughs> what is this big mama's house for we <laughs> okay somebody call martin lawrence i could go on all day no one's been calling Martin Lawrence for about 20 years. So. So. What's up? That's all I got. So we find when, when, when Tom Holland goes to confront Robert Pattinson, he begins describing 
actually the interactions that he is seeing with Robert Pattinson and then this young woman, we're finding that Tom Holland is effectively um, surveilling, like, the actions of the priest and um, his predatory behavior and seeks his revenge. And I thought that was really, like, nicely set up. Yeah, that whole storyline is a bit... A little bit strange, and, and not in and not in a bad way, but it is a little odd that he almost. It's weird because is he is he gathering evidence to make his ultimate decision? Yeah, yeah. It's he was looking for a pattern because he. I think I think what he's also trying to figure out is that one he's in disbelief that the fate of his uh, stepsister that she had to face and. If he is actually trying to solidify what is the priest is doing to other people, he is literally seeing it with his own eyes. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So, and then he he takes it into his own hands, obviously. It, exactly. Um, this is yet another example of um, people trusting um, priests no matter what. So I do love. This. I feel like we have a pattern here. <laughs> I do love the scene even before that all goes down of uh, him being confronted with the pregnancy, mm. and it's basically like, hmm, that's weird. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but good luck. And it's like... We didn't have sex. Yeah. He and, straight up goes, get rid of it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So. And uh, I, you know, I feel like, see, I feel like that's the thing, is that individually, some of these scenes are good, if not decent. Oh, that killed Nick to have to admit that. <laughs> but, like, that's a whole movie right there. Like, exploring the hypocrisy yeah. of religion. Uh, or at least, I would say, people who are ho- hoisted onto a religious pedestal. Mm-hmm. Or, like I said earlier, generational trauma passed down. Or the horrors of how we are always uh, engaged in global conflicts. And that's always looming over us, even when we're not in it. You know, I mean, all of these things are just huge topics. And like I said, the great American novel are, you know, either common mm-hmm. fixations and whatnot. Um, to the point where I would probably have watched any one of these actors, uh, even the ones I didn't think give good performances. But in a slightly more laser-focused script, I thought that any one of these stories, except for maybe Sebastian Stan's story, like or part of a story, I should say, really that... I don't know what happened with his 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 character. I, mean, I know he so Riley Keough is his sister. Yeah, right. So it's been a while since I had actually genuinely asked. So, but like <laughs> that in and of itself is just kind of like that felt like one of those connections where you sit down to write this mosaic piece, right? And then you're like drawing out, and you're like, wait a minute. Um, we can oh, fix that. Sister. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> hold on. And then, like, I'm going to draw another line between these two dots or whatever. And, uh, you know, obviously my favorite movie of all time is Magnolia, which is uh, a, an example of that kind of mosaic type whatever. But that movie doesn't go out of its way to draw connections. You know, I mean, some of those characters are not connected. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a through line, and you can technically get from point A to point Z, but they are not as, uh, I would say, uh, strident to make sure you understand that this is a full circle thing. Yeah, I think story-wise, I didn't hate that, because it, like, to me, I guess it, it didn't feel like a, just a convenient connection to just say that they were brother and sister. I mean, we, we do have the fact that um, 
it seems like they were both really brought up the same way. Um, and they both pretty much chose the same profession, even though he's well, a yeah. police officer no, and yeah, she yeah. is just an assistant murderer. Like, but that's a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> we see, we, we obviously see that there's crime, uh, and gangster type activity involved, uh, in Sebastian Stan's character. Uh, and we even see him, uh, overcome that and take it into his own hands at some point, which is, uh, a little bit out of character for that person in the movie. Uh, but even so we, we see that. Um, but really, I, I just don't know. I don't know if it's character writing performance, all of the above. There was just something the about that. that chase was... scene between him and with a Tom Holland, right? Yeah. At the chased, end. Yeah. yeah. Was weirdly staged to the point where I feel like they were trying to make it quote unquote realistic. So it wasn't going to be like a sexy thriller or whatever. But once again, it felt underplayed because it was such a weird staging of like, like it just, I don't know, it just felt like Muppets with a backdrop behind them where they're just like, okay, now we're going to turn off the camera and put the camera here and now you're going to be over there, whatever. And there was no sense of an actual spatial reasoning as to why they're moving in any trajectory that they're moving in and no sense to even play with it visually as to, you know, because it's like... It's got to go one or the one or the other. You either have to make it look good or make it, you know, thrilling, in my opinion. Otherwise, we're just watching noise, white noise, and I felt like that chase kind of, yeah. I mean, I evolved into that. It's not. It wasn't even re- like. I feel like at that point, like the film had not built up his character, Sebastian I mean, Stan's character, thing. enough. Yeah. Like that chase was. He becomes pre- a de facto third lead for about five minutes, but he also yeah. becomes like. The villain, after all, the other villains have been eliminated by Tom Holland. Well, I think this movie is trying to say that we're all the devil, <laughs> all the time. So I actually, to your, <laughs> to your point, um, I was when I was reading about this film, the title, the reasoning behind the title is that these characters seek guidance from God, but instead of God, it was actually the devil all the time. Yeah, I feel like that was actually said in the film, wasn't it? Was it? It, it, it? It might have been. I think it's early on because I, I, I'm pretty sure we both mentioned it. Like, oh, look, the oh, title. yeah, the titular <laughs> devil all the time. Yeah. So um, that makes sense. when it comes specifically to Sebastian Stan's and Riley Keough's character, first of all, I thought the way that we learn that they're siblings is very odd and just weird to see. Yeah, um, he, As like, it translates to the screen, I thought that was weird. He's like, I'm going to act the scene like I'm your pimp. And yeah. then all of a sudden... <laughs> Anyway, he says, what's up with you? <laughs> it's like, wait, what? You got my bag of candy? Yeah. <laughs> he surreptitiously freaking eats it. It's just so odd. And then, like, the Pepsi cup scene became a meme on the internet. And I was like, what the fuck? I guess that's from the devil all the time. I don't know. Um, that oh, was wow. odd. I missed that. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, I'm surprised enough people saw it to make a meme yeah, out of something. <laughs> Very memed. Um, it, was, it was just so strange. Just... The evolution of that character, and when it came to like the the mob setup, I just those scenes were just the least interesting to me. Um, and it ended up not like his character in particular ended up not really keeping my attention until the final scene. And the line I remember him the most saying is, "Oh, I'm sorry, goddamn bird scared me." <laughs> and as he shoots off the gun, and it's just so weird and i don't know if 
Tom Holland showing him the one photo that he found in the car of his sister, um, like, committing those crimes. And at this point, Tom Holland realizes that he killed Sebastian Stan's sister and her husband. I don't know if that reveal to Sebastian Stan's character was, like, it it didn't feel like anything really closing the book, I guess. Right. Well, he, like he, even though Sebastian Stan already knew. I was that's gonna say a, he, that's he, the thing. He was already aware. Right. So he what? he already knew, but like I think it was just Tom Holland being like, "Hey, just here, you know, here you go. I I did what I had to do." Yeah. So I I don't know. I guess it just that his um, ending in particular. I don't think it was as satisfying as seeing the other antagonists in this film get their ending. So well, I feel like the other antagonists in this film had actual characters. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why I was just like, well, well yeah. Honestly, everything in the orbit of the serial killer couple and Sebastian Stan were the weakest parts. Like if you oh, take agreed. that out, I think the movie that least then decent and, and decently thematically focused, even if they are all kind of disparate threads, of uh, of different ways and, you know, sides of the prism of how, you know, religious upbringings and whatnot or, or authority can corrupt all and whatnot. Um, so that's why they stick out even more is that throughout all this, it's like everything's tied together and then there's just this tumor <laughs> that is <laughs> these three characters who are just, you know... And that's where that kind of superfluous, this is obviously based on a novel, and maybe they had a hundred more pages, you know, like in the book, uh, to expand on what, you know, the significance of this, so to speak. And obviously you can say anything that deals with morality is kind of tied into well, pretty much any subject, but especially religion and whatnot. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it, that's just too bland of an assertion for me to emotionally care. Hmm. But uh, I don't know, I, I didn't hate it. Yeah. Uh, before we go to final ratings, uh, I am interested to, uh, even though I joked about it earlier, interested to hear everyone's thoughts on the accidental suicide that happens and, and what Nick doesn't even know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> so his, uh, stepsisters, uh, doesn't want to, um, get rid of the baby, but she wants to, no longer live, so she goes into the shed, uh, makes a noose, sticks her head in it, decides she doesn't want to commit oh, suicide, right, right. and then trips and falls. Kicks and, the bucket type thing. Yeah. And, okay. And, and I guess I just forgot it was an accident, but I kind of... Not accident, but I mean, I forgot that there was that last minute revelation in her eyes. Yeah, I mean... It, but yes. I say accidental suicide, no, but not it, like she... it was she, in the, in yeah, the but, general sense. But, yeah. but she had not chosen right, right, right. that, and yet she had herself in a really tough situation there yeah. with the whole noose around the neck thing. So, but anyways, I, I found that and, and you dance with the devil <laughs> to get your toes stepped on. <laughs> I found that scene, um, really not, not obviously not good in terms of like, Ooh, I like this really empowering, <laughs> <laughs> but I lifted me off the ground. <laughs> okay. And so staying I, there. Yeah, well, yeah. but I thought that was really well put together, and, and the shot of that was really good and solid. Um, but I, I feel like there was a missed opportunity following that um, to get into a lot of 
blaming on somebody for suicide and the idea of um, almost like Robert Pattinson. And I would have been all for a sermon, like shitting all over her for committing suicide, following the knowledge that he has about their previous relationship. Because I feel like that is such an important part of this film, even though this film is going all over the place all the time. And yet I feel like, haha, uh, I feel like it's, only like mentioned like a couple times being like yeah yeah she's she's gone i'm like what like this is a major storyline where people not not really but like people are going to assume one thing happened yet we as the audience are the only ones who are privy to the fact that that is not the case and it just was dramatic irony man i guess but but we like move on right after that and it feels like there's another part to that story that could have been done really well. well and, and I mean, that's left. treatment of society towards suicide in general, not interpersonal relationships as far as, like, if you know someone, then obviously that's gutting and whatever. But we use suicide prevention as a distraction from actually investigating why this epidemic you know, occurs and whatnot. Mm. So um, that I, I find totally not just believable, but maybe even a potent message on how here you have an entire congregation of people who want to, you know, do the Lord's work, want to better themselves and help their fellow man. And yet when something like this happened, uh, it's like, well, that's, uh, you know, that's, she must have had the devil in her. And it's like, that's mm. not how it works. And mm. whatnot, so. Um. I think you bring up a really good point when it comes to her. Now that I think about it, her character, Lenora, does comprise my favorite shots of the film. So, I mean, kudos to her. Um, but um, I definitely understand that, you know, the point of her accidentally dying and then it, it kind of springboards... Um, Tom Holland's character to become more central after that. Oh, sure, yeah. And it as a as a place in the plot because we move on so quickly, her death kind of just ends up being another note card on the board. Which which almost every death in this film is right, but it's it's it doesn't have as much of a punch as it really should. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so like we get the setup where, you know, that day um, she doesn't feel good and the audience knows that's morning sickness. And so Tom Holland's like, well, even Jesus has bad morning sometimes. And then she's like, oh yeah, just go to church without me. And, you know, as you, as it was already described, um, when she realizes that it's going to be okay. And the narration says, Lenora figured out that her and her baby were going to be fine. And then tragedy <laughs> strikes. <laughs> mm -hmm. That was so awful. Um, and then, go, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, one, two, you highlighting that in general does remind me that that's kind of one of the worst tropes. And tropes in general are not all that bad. Tropes are just technically a form of shorthand to describe narrative functions in, mm -hmm. in certain plot lines. But... Uh, Technically, some tropes can be criticized for overuse and whatnot, and certainly that is one of the worst ones, especially in uh, I, what I would I keep saying it, but I think it's a important uh, 
pejorative maybe i guess but for this which is quote unquote the great american novel like when you want to write something serious or whatever is that you write about white man pain but you make sure that the death of a woman is what fuels his adventure and whatnot and certainly that's what's happening here which Mm -hmm. is that she's not a character she's just uh the impetus for how he's able to grow and you know whatever so yeah uh anyway um but yeah so um then of course tom holland is the one who finds her and i get the impression that because the focus ends up being on him um even after the funeral which i mean the priest was not at the funeral and they made a point of bringing that up how he wasn't there um and how that pissed off tom holland a lot um his i want to say those are his grand are they are they his grandparents? Or are yes. they his? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Also, too, really? they went to stay with his grandparents. Yes, he went there yeah. after his father yeah. died. Died. Yeah. yeah, and then Lenora was there before because That's she right. was the family friend. Like she was the fam, like the daughter of. The I was going to say the one thing that goes unspoken in the whole movie is like clearly he likes Lenore, right? Like clearly they kind of want to fuck each other. Um, I don't see. I'm actually glad the film didn't take that direction, but I actually That's don't. All this movie was missing, <laughs> to be frank. No, but they kept making a point to remind the audience, I think, or, or at least to state up front, like, this is not, they're not related. And, and, like, they had that close relationship that I feel like her death and the fact that, I feel like it's almost gross in that not only does she accidentally commit suicide, but then also, obviously, it's somewhat due to the fact that another male in her life uh, sexually takes advantage of her and leaves her in that kind of position. So that I don't think of it as a brother type thing. I think of it as a closeted uh, sexual attraction thing, personally. But I didn't read it that way mostly because i was like i mentioned i'm glad the film didn't take that direction but i think like their relationship is established as in like they were effectively raised as siblings together um i think they were yeah they're close in in age to one another um but when it comes specifically about her and how it going from her and then her death and then transitioning to tom holland when it comes to the grandparents i don't think the focus we don't see enough of focus of them grieving because i think at that point the grandmother is also sick and then when tom holland decides that he's gonna go on a killing spree to get revenge he makes sure to he makes sure to tell his grandfather you be nice to grandma okay like he he pretty much laid his cards out on the table in an unspoken way that he's gonna do all of these things to um quote unquote get revenge uh, effectively and that's it's certainly that's how it starts and then it it kind of goes out of control for him pretty sure the grandmother is um you know never never seen from again after this after this scene where robert pattinson talks about her food sucking and she's just yeah that was awful to watch honestly it, it was and also too that's that's not a very good con man like <laughs> i'm being I, half serious but like also like if you are trying to grift people and i don't mean even grift them out of money but out of you know whatever uh a belief or whatever yeah. uh the idea that he would be so villainous and yet somehow we're also supposed to have emotional and dramatic stakes as to him 
supposedly being a bad person, uh, it doesn't quite the, the, add up. Okay, the other thing about it that's kind of weird, and, and, and I will say this is kind of strange, although it does kind of make sense for the fact that people are complicit in covering up uh, a lot of things with the religion, but I uh, really did love and laughed pretty loud from what I remember from hearing overhearing the police radio talking about that oh this guy this priest was murdered uh in this state um and the person's on the loose uh, from what i heard uh, i heard he deserved it <laughs> pretty much so that's pretty good yeah so final ratings nick you want to get yours out of the way here in the next five seconds sure one and a half stars <laughs> okay thank you yep i was a fan uh i really did enjoy this film and i liked a lot of the pacing i liked a lot of the structure i liked a lot of the performances obviously not all of them um and i do feel like there's some room for this film that could have been a lot better especially if it was as nick was alluding to had a little more work in the in the writer's room of attempting to make this more a film as opposed to just an on-screen version of a novel, which is kind of what comes across at a lot of points. So overall, though, I was super pumped for this, and I was mostly satisfied with it and thought it was a quite solid film. So I gave this three and a half out of five, and I feel like my rating maybe could go down a half star when I watch rewatch it again. But I'll always enjoy this, uh, I'm pretty sure. And I think it's pretty good. Very cool. Okay. Well, um, truthfully, since I've seen this film, I end up thinking about it quite a bit, which doesn't happen too often. Um, And honestly, I end up... I ended up being um, quite happy with what the final result was, and my rating is four out of five nice. because it has so many things that I truly did like, and I think that if I can be also very, very critical about something that I like, as is basically what we all do quite often, um, that means that there's enough even for um, someone to look at and effectively pick apart Hmm. um so um most of the performances i really did enjoy i did like a lot of the cinematography choices i liked um you know the way uh certain character relationships are really solidified to us such as when bill skarsgård ends up meeting his wife which i thought was so cute and i'm so glad the film started like that um how she was the waitress in the diner and i thought that was so nice and she ends up saying oh god i feel like even though she was waiting on him it almost felt like he was waiting on her i feel like it must be tough for Probably a little tough for somebody like Bill Skarsgård to go up to a woman and hit on her being like, hi, I I wear a men's size small shirts and I'm a six foot five man. Do you like popcorn? <laughs> pop, pop, pop. <laughs> Just got a red balloon. <laughs> uh, oh man, that bleacher scene in the second one is really good. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It is. Um, this is going to turn out worse than one of Bill's books. <laughs> oh, brother. Oh, man. That was such a good casting job. It was. With, with um, Bill. Uh, why am I trying to blank? Bill uh, Hader. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Continue. That's okay. Um, 
But yeah, I did really like the the line where she says, oh, that's a shame you have such a nice face. I thought that was so cute. What an old-timey way to straight-up shoot your shot, and that's what she did. Um, mm. <laughs> um, so that was the new... Oh, I have what she's having. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Indeed. So that was that was a relationship I really liked um, be set up in this film. Um, I do like the way the structure was all laid out, even though I think when it comes to seeing certain main characters in their own individual scenes without any other main characters in them, I think maybe we could have done without them, but it is important that they did get screen time for audience viewing. Um I just really liked this film a lot, and I am truthfully looking for more things that Antonio Campos is going to make, because I, I really did like it. Okay. So. I'm as well. I I, uh, I don't wouldn't put him in like a vein of like my favorite directors or anything like that, but um, I enjoyed his first film that I saw, at least, very much, and I quite liked this. So I, I hope he does get... I, I'm always hopeful of, of directors... Um, continuing, you know, to ascend and, and get bigger opportunities. I know it, that's always. I always feel like if someone gets rushed into a big opportunity, there's a really good chance they're going to totally fuck it up. But you know, it's nice to see someone ascend, like someone like Denny Villeneuve, like was doing like really small films, and now he's, I don't want to say on top of the world, but like, yeah, doing like things like Dune. And if you other... get to do a Dune movie in this day and age, you, you've got clout. Like, mm-hmm. Not to say that because that's the most popular thing ever. If anything, it's impressive because it's not super popular. It is among a lot of literary nerds yeah. and whatnot. But uh, any studio that's like, okay, I trust a person enough to do it and also put some people in the seats is pretty great. So. Yeah. I, I really want to say something important. Oh, super, super important. Uh, sure it is. Earlier in this episode, I mistakenly said that Meryl Streep narrated The Age of Innocence. This is not true at all, and I want to retract that statement. It was Joanne Woodward, who apparently, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> is now the... She's still living because she is the oldest person after Olivia de Havilon just passed away this year. Uh, she's the oldest woman to ever win Best Actress that is still alive because she's nine years old. I didn't know. Anyway. So, anyway. Just wanted to throw it out there. Okay. That I can do research and retract things. Thank you for doing that. People should learn how to do that in this day and age, especially in the political stratosphere and... <laughs> feel like you're talking about somebody but, specific. <laughs> listeners, I know you're probably listening to this for the first time in the month of June 2021, where we are a full-on uh, autocracy, but <laughs> I will say we're recording this during the presidential election. I say during because it is on day three currently, which is understandable. That's how, you know, A, it works, and with the pandemic and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, we're a lot of stuff going on right now. That's, yep. That's all I got. Very good. So 
If anyone out there has any thoughts on the devil all the time, always feel free to try to reach us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find our episodes on filmtankshow.com. And you can find us very, very occasionally on Facebook or Twitter at Film Tank Show as well. So, from Anna, who may or may not be back soon, <laughs> as we, talk, we talked about earlier, that she's <laughs> becoming regular and she was, you know, very happy of our inclusion. But next time, we'll, we'll, we'll introduce her as a guest again and she'll say, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> This is because, so unusual. It's true. I'm always happy to I be feel here. like you would be the kind of, and I don't mean this as an insult. Like This is actually okay. like, something like that more people should be like. But you would be the kind of person who would show up to like your own surprise birthday party and like be surprised. You, know, you didn't know about it. And then be like, oh my god, thanks for having me, you guys. That is so sweet. And like honestly, we need more people like that in the world. Because yeah, most people are assholes. But anyway. Very feel like that's something i would do thank you for saying that i appreciate it <laughs> oh my god it's you guys came out on my birthday thank you so much for having me this is like crazy can i get you guys anything i do feel like we're getting the Anna impression down a little bit <laughs> i think so yeah next I... we're gonna have to have the slap of the thigh coming up pretty soon <laughs> Whenever, whenever <laughs> Nick imitates white women, I'm just like, I feel so seen. <laughs> yeah, he's got a pretty good pulse on that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so from Anabodizadu, <laughs> Nick Cheney, myself, Alex Diekman, thank you very much for listening to us here at Film Tank. We'll be catching up with you next time. If you can't do the devil all the time, then don't do the devil all the crime.